0: Good afternoon, patriots. Welcome to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we've got definitions, U.S. senators speaking up on behalf of women athletes, inmates running the asylum at Disney, and Biden's dangerous rhetoric. Next, on Living with Liberty. An adult female person. Pretty simple definition, right? Yet the ideologue posing as a Supreme Court candidate could not come up with that answer when asked to define what a woman is by Senator Marsha Blackburn. Even women are denigrating women now, not even willing to define what a woman is. Now, quite frankly, this alone should be enough to disqualify Kintanji Brown-Jackson from consideration uh, for a seat on our nation's highest court. Law is based on objective truth. And if an, ind- an individual who has been nominated to the Supreme Court cannot provide a definition to something as objectively truthful as the gender of a person, then it certainly calls into question how they will rule when provided with the objective truth of facts and figures in a given case. I'm not a biologist, Kentonji Brown Jackson said. Okay, so maybe she should have went to take a nap at the Holiday Inn at 6th and C Street, right there in D.C. It's a nice short walk from the Capitol building, and then come back and answer the question. Her answer proves that Jackson will be nothing more than an ideologue on the court. Law has no room. Interpretation of law has no room for ideologues. It has no room for feelings. It only has room for the facts and the precedent that has been set. The rulings should not be based on how the judge feels. It should be based on what are the facts of the case and how do they relate to the precedent that has already been set in similar cases. That is a judge's job. It's not not to legislate and make law from the bench, like so many seem to do, to want to do these days. Now, if that answer to a simple question of what is a woman was not enough to prove that she will be nothing more than an ideologue, consider Jackson's light sentencing of child pornography offenders. One in particular she gave three months of prison time to when the guidelines called for eight to 10 years. So here we are getting into what is the precedent that has been set by previous, in this case, sentences and, and guidelines that have been handed down. Now, yes, they're guidelines, but show me a judge, uh, a, a judge that is not an ideologue that has strayed very far from the guidelines in any given case. Have have they been shorter? Sure. Have they been longer than that? Sure. But I would think we're we're not talking shorter in the sense of three months when the guidelines are eight to ten years. Now, Jackson had this to say at the offender's sentencing here. she said, uh, she said this about the the prison time, the sentence that she handed down. She wanted to give one that allows you to spend enough time in prison to understand and appreciate the consequences of your actions, but not so long that you will be subjected to harm in prison or introduced to incorrigible influences such that you are lost to society forever. Now, let's think about this for a second. One, it's not the judge's role to hand down a sentence because they are worried about the harm a perp will be subjected to in prison. That consequence of going to prison is something that should already be an inherent deterrent when someone's thinking about committing a crime or doing something that is outside the bounds and the norms of society that would result in prison time. That consequence of, of what is prison like? Am I gonna get my ass kicked in prison? What am I gonna end up being like coming out of prison? That, all that should be a consequence that, that, that's a deterrent to going to prison. My freedoms are taken away. And it's not a judge's role to hand down a sentence because they're worried about some harm someone will be subjected to in prison that's not that that shouldn't even be a consideration in sentencing yeah think about this other uh, other part here um where she said she'd be uh, worried about uh, incurred incorrigible influences such that you are lost to society forever let let's think about most offenders there's there's especially in a child porn case there's something seriously wrong that probably requires prison time and you know some other um, help that 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 person needs because if you're doing that you're damaged already in some way you've already been introduced to some incorrigible influence that had made you that way people don't just wake up overnight and say i'm gonna look at little kids There's something that happened, some sort of screw that's loose that caused them to do that. The same thing for a murderer or a thief or whatever. There's no reason for a three-month sentence because you're worried about harm and you're worried about other influences that will lose the person of society forever. A lot of these people are repeat offenders. They end up being repeat offenders. Partially, I think it's because they don't get the help they need. Partially, it's because, in in a sense, they could be so far damaged from life experiences. Now, like I said, a judge's role is to hand down a sentence that is uh, based on the guidelines and as set by precedent. That is their role. Their role is to look at the history of any particular case that relates and say what happened, what's the precedent that's been set, and then hand down sentences and rulings and judgments based on that. That is a judge's role. It's not to look to the future, it's not to be concerned that's the human side of it i get it but a judge's role in that instance is not to be concerned about the harm that's going to come to somebody because they're getting sent to prison now there's another troubling part about this case and another troubling part about uh i i find it troubling about Kentonji brown jackson myself and it's the fact that she called this 18-year-old offender a peer to the children that he had uh, been collecting this this material on. Some of them are as young as 11. I've heard as young as 8, but the article I had says 11. So we'll roll with that. You've got to be freaking kidding me here. 14-year-olds aren't peers to 11-year-olds let alone someone who is 18. When you're 18, you are for all intents and purposes an adult at that point. You are recognized by the law as an adult. To call them a peer of someone that's 11 is gross, it's disgusting, and again should automatically disqualify this clown from sitting on the Supreme Court bench. A peer is someone who is of the same maturity level as you. Call it the same uh, uh, grouping in life as you. Uh, You have children and you have adults. And then when you're in the child stage, your peers are typically a lot closer to you in age than when you become an adult. Just because of the development stages of a child, a a five-year-old and an eight-year-old aren't necessarily peers because they're at very different stages of development in life. It's not until you hit that adulthood that you can generally say that someone that's 10 years older than you is a peer. A 28-year-old is a peer of an 18-year-old, but not an 11-year-old. An 11-year-old in no way, shape, or form is a peer of an 18-year-old. This type of judicial activism, dare I say even jurisprudence, based on individual ideology and individual feelings has been a contributing factor to the issues we see in society, to why we see the same crap happening over and over because of activism. Instead of looking at doing what the judges are supposed to do and look at history, go on the guidelines, and that's how they're supposed to rule. They want their names in the papers. They wish they were in a legislative branch, apparently. It's this garbage is why Part of the reason why not? not all of it, obviously, but part of the reason why we see what we see in our society in terms of repeat offenders, in terms of just the rampant a, a crime crime in, on the increase and has been for years now. It's this crap. This is why we have no deterrence. We're so worried about sending someone to jail, to prison. We're so worried about the harm that may come to them in prison that we give them a light sentence. And then they go out and offend again and and commit another crime. And then we give them another light sentence and the cycle repeats. Ridiculous. A three-month sentence because a judge felt bad for the offender? absolutely unreal a 3 month sentence because they didn't want any harm to come to this offender that's the point of prison it's to be a deterrent we've all heard the stories coming out of prisons on what happens in prison we've heard the stories from those that have have taken the the hint that prison ain't where i want to be i better turn my life around and have done it that is the point of prison it's to be a deterrent so you think about your consequences actions have consequences and in this instance some of those consequences may have included getting roughed up in prison i've uh, i'm sure you have i have i've heard stories about prison that even the prisoners there are certain offenses that, that people commit, that go, they go to prison for, that are even offensive to those in prison. And abusing a child is one of those things, whether it be physically or, in this case, through pornographic material. Kintanji Brown Jackson is not fit for any judicial branch, branch, bench, let alone the Supreme Court. She shouldn't be sitting in any circuit court, any district court, any municipal court. She's not fit. Call your senators and urge them to vote against the nomination. Before moving on, I'll, I'll put this out there as a side note. So, so the original statement here, her original statement about not being a biologist and refusing what to define a, a woman is, we'll put, we'll put Kintanji Brown-Jackson in the running for March's dolt of the month. She might have a slight lead. I think we gave Putin the lead coming out of February. She might have a slight lead now. I think we got uh, who was it? Stephen Colbert and his his he don't care if gas is fifteen bucks because he drives under twenty thousand dollar Tesla. We'll throw him in there too. We'll see how this shakes out. March is shaping up to be an interesting race. There we got two days left, so we'll we'll see how that goes. All right. So we have U.S. senators wading into the pool on transgender issues and the fairness of biological males competing with females. Ron Johnson, U.S. Senator from the great state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, who will get my vote as he's up for re-election this year, is in agreement with common sense, uh, with the common sense thinking, of not allowing biological males to compete with females. He had this to say about it. You shouldn't allow biological males to compete against girls. I mean, it's just disheartening to the girls. Absolutely. There's no reason for dudes to be out there with the ladies in the sports arena. Now, the, the article this came from is from our local reg. It's uh, obviously with it uh, being our senator here, it's more of a local story. I don't think it got much national play uh, because of the context of this was a question that Johnson answered at a virtual town hall. I'll link the article in the description box. Hopefully, it's not behind a paywall. Um, if it is, you're not missing much if, in reading it, honestly. Um, but oh, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's one of those you can you can look at for free and give it a read. Now, the other important part. This will be the important part of the article. You know, part two, um, the second important part of really what I saw as two important parts from this article. Uh, So the article notes that there was a Gallup poll that was done in May of last year, May 2021. And that poll, that Gallup poll, showed that 34% of U.S. adults said athletes should play on teams that match their gender identity, while 62% of adults said they should play, transgender athletes should play, on teams matching their sex assigned at birth, I, I don't know that we assign sex at birth. I say you're you're born with it. God already assigned it. The doctor's just verifying. But sixty-two percent said, play on the team that matches your plumbing. That sixty-two percent. Now we're talking about being close to a veto-proof majority. I don't know where there's. The other four percent of people, maybe they didn't care. Who knows? Then we got ninety-six percent accounted for. You, I guess, you got four percent of people that just said, "Oh." But that's an overwhelming majority. Almost double, almost double the amount of people said, "Play," you play on the sports teams that matches your plumbing. Now this article the uh this poll also noted that just over half of Democrats so whatever that means 50.1 percent 51 percent who knows they just said just over half of Democrats uh okay and and 10 percent of Republicans said they favored transgender athletes playing on teams that match their gender identity <laughs> okay so what do we have here first those 10 percent of Republicans, must actually be Democrats. They can't be in their right mind. Those 10% would have been better off just saying, oh, no. Second, where the hell is the outrage on a large scale if 62% of of adults are saying that you play on the team your plumbing says you should play on? That is an overwhelming majority, as I said before. So where are we? We're here again catering to a fringe few on the basis of what? That someone feels like a girl, so they should play on the girls' team? Because someone dresses like a girl, they should play on the girls' team. Even though they went through puberty, developed as a boy into a man, in the case of Thomas, swimmer extraordinaire, 462nd ranked swimmer as a mediocre male, and number one as a women's swimmer, felt like a girl, thought maybe could get on a Wheaties box, I don't know. But we're doing this on a basis because someone feels a certain way. 62% of adults, the actual adults in the room, you could say, the ones that are sane, See the idiocy of this. Yet where are they? Where is the large-scale outrage? I'll tell you where. People are still afraid of being called a name. Is, that could be part of it. There's more and more speaking out. But people are just afraid of being called a name, so what? If you're being called a name for standing up what, for what's right, then what's the big deal? What's being hurt? 62% of adults, we are in the vast majority here on you play where your plumbing says you play or should play. I feel like a billionaire. Does that mean I can go buy a sports franchise or a business or have a garage full of Bentleys and Lamborghinis and Ferraris? I feel like a billionaire. I identify as a billionaire because that's how I feel. Never mind. My bank account says I'm barely a thousandaire. I feel like a billionaire. Let me just, you know, let me let me go buy all this stuff, and you can't tell me no. Because that's how I feel. You you have to validate my feelings. Feelings are are what they are. We can we can empathize, but th- this idea we have to validate feelings especially when they go up against objective truth, is absurd. There's a time to validate feelings. That's when you're empathizing with someone. I, I feel sad because my dog died or my grandma died or whatever. Totally validate those feelings. Absolutely. Very valid feelings. I feel like a girl, even though I was born a boy and grew up as a man, into a man. It's absurd to validate that. Absurd. It's even more absurd to celebrate it and 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 promote it like we have been and, and then try and indoctrinate our children into schools with this crap. That, but that's the mindset here that we're dealing with. You feel like a girl, so you must be a girl. You feel like a boy, so you must be a boy. No, you are just living in some alternate reality. That's what's going on here. And even more abusive is are the parents of kids that do this, that enable this crap. These are not feelings. You can't just feel your way out of what you were made into by God. No matter what my feelings may be, my bank account says I'm no billionaire. No matter what feelings you have as a transgender individual, the DNA and chromosomes say you're either a male or female, and that's it. That's objective truth. You can't feel something and then say that that's now true. It just doesn't work. I have no problem with transgender. If that's what you want to do, fine. Just know that you uh, it's objectively not true. If you want to roll that way, fine. Quit jamming it in everybody's face. Quit trying to weasel your way into women's sports. Quit trying to use the other bathroom. Quit trying to be a man going into a women's bathroom. We've seen how that works out. Do your own thing. That That's the right we have in this country, but quit jamming it down everybody's throat. You have the same right as everybody else when it comes to what's in our Constitution. You have the same right as everybody else, but you have... To be treated with objective truth, and objective truth says you're either born a male or a female. You want to have transgender athlete leagues? Fine, you know what? Let's do it. Give them their own league. Then the option is there if they choose to not compete in the group their chromosomes dictate they should be competing in. And then they can compete with others whose feelings align with their own. So you could have transgender men and transgender women playing in the same basketball league or whatever, fine, do it. Don't know how much of a market there is out there for it. Go ahead and do it, though. At least if we did that, women, the women who have fought long and hard to have spaces of their own when it comes to things like athletic competitions, can compete in an environment that is fair for them. Apparently, the inmates run the asylum at Disney. The Alphabet Group, in conjunction with some Disney employees, were upset and planned a walkout over CEO Bob Chapek's so-called slow response in criticizing Florida's parents' rights bill, or as the liars on the left like to call it, the don't say gay bill. The hypocrites, of, if that's what it was called. They should all be in jail then. Uh, just ridiculous how, how a parent's rights bill has been bastardized into somehow being a don't-say-gay bill. Uh, unreal. Anyway. So, of course, Chapic K's for not coming out more strongly against the bill. And it was noted that Disney and his executive team, whoever, were... Working behind the scenes, so to speak, to try and stop its passage. How cute on Disney's part. They thought they were going to stop this bill from making it through the legislative process. They thought they were going to stop a bill that a good majority of the population is calling for, especially parents. They thought they were going to stop a bill that for one, I feel doesn't go far enough in protecting our kids. But it protects children in kindergarten through third grade from being indoctrinated with sexual preference training. You would think that with children being the core consumer of Disney's content and their theme parks, really, I know a lot of adults go to the theme parks for vacation, but let's be real, The theme parks are there for the kids. They, being Disney, would want to side with parents and with what is right in society by protecting the youngest among us. You would think that Disney would want to protect its customer base. If if not from indoctrination, then certainly from their bottom from uh, the perspective of their bottom line. What do you think parents are going to do now that this word is out that Disney was actually trying to stop this bill that protects children? What do you think they're going to do? I hope a lot of them take their money elsewhere. I hope a lot of them tell Disney to piss off until you get with what we're about as parents. You would think Disney would want to protect that customer base that pays their bills, that pays the activist salaries that work at Disney. No, they show their true colors as if they haven't already been with their agenda-driven nonsense over the last forever, it seems, at this point. Probably, I would say, since the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. If I were to give a rough estimate to when they really went bananas with the agendas, that Disney's showing their true colors, saying, "No, we're um, you know we're on full we're fully on board with the indoctrination of children." So now they're holding back on political donations in Florida. Well, I say good to that. That's one less corporation buying influence among politicians. Though I'm sure they are still going to give to the Democrats. They are still going to give to these uh, activist groups out there um, that push this garbage. At what point do companies stop giving in to the fringe and realize they are alienating the broader market they are Alienating the customers, you know, the ones that actually fill their coffers, the ones that actually pay their bills as a corporation. How many of these activists, I'm not talking to ones about the ones that work at Disney, I'm talking about the ones outside, the ones that are pressuring companies to go woke. How many of them do you really think? actually, one, have the money to buy the product or service they are trying to dis, uh, to destroy. Two, have any interest in buying said product or service, should that uh, company decide that uh, they'd rather go broke by going woke. Or three... How many of these activists do you really think have any sort of discernible skill other than being a pain in society's ass? It's a losing proposition for any company to bow to a loud fringe. Eventually, it will lead to their demise. It, this just can't keep going. You, it has to stop at some point. In I've said it before. I'll say it again. That that some point is real material loss, and in the case of a company. It's hurting the bottom line by taking your business elsewhere. How many eyes are is, is Disney willing to lose by going against parent wishes, by actively going against parents' wishes and supporting things like indoctrinating our children? Time will tell on this one. All right. Apparently, the United States is out of money to buy a potential fourth COVID therapeutic injection. I just saw uh, just a little bit ago, actually, that uh, the FDA did approve the fourth therapeutic injection for people 50 and over. Uh, It'll probably go by the wayside of the other three and will be utterly useless, but people, you do you, whatever you want to do. You want to keep sticking yourself with this thing and and keep hoping that it works? Have at it. Now, I'll link a Washington Compost article in the description box. I hate giving that birdcage liner the clicks, but... It just so happens that's where this story was posted. Click at your own peril. Now, there's just no way. There's just no getting through to the COVID cultists in our government at this point. Listen to this quote from Jeff Zients. The White House uh, Coronavirus Coordinator. Why we have a uh, White House coronavirus coordinator is beyond me, but we have one. Here's what he said We don't have the funding if we were to need a variant specific vaccine in the future. A variant specific jab. What is their goal to get us all looking like sloth from the goonies? We've heard about the numerous issues people have had with the jab we have heard of of how it's knocked women off of their cycles we've heard about the heart conditions we've heard about the uh just the highly vaccinated countries that have gotten coronavirus the the omicron uh, variant on mass scale but Because government is an insane proposition as it is. It's not surprising that they're going to live out the very definition of insanity. Let's keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. The best that this variant-specific jab would do, the best we could hope for, we, like as if I would uh, be for it, no, someone can have mine, whatever. But the best that could be hoped for in this instant is to guess what variant is going to be the dominant variant in COVID season. That's the best they could do. And that sounds a lot, Like our old friend, the influenza vaccine. So let's go ahead and spend more money for something that doesn't work in the first place. Let's go ahead and spend more money on something we are going to have to guess as to what the dominant strain is going to be for a given season. Fantastic. Just another reason, this is just another case in point as to why our government needs to be reined in. My Convention of the States plug there. If your state hasn't passed the resolution yet, contact your, uh, your representatives and get them going on that. Get your support behind it because that's the only way at this point we have in terms of reining this utterly wasteful spending in. Therapeutic injections are like that money pit of a house you tear something else out and you find eight more problems you keep spending money on it and three more issues pop up same thing with this uh just the, the seemingly endless spending on covid for vaccines and whatever else and and handing money out and it just been a a a, a um, policy disaster from start to finish and i will and that's under trump too this all started under him Policy disaster start to finish, and we're not even done with it. They don't want it to be done, but it's ending. The people are are done, we're tired. we're moving on, we're moving on with life, but we keep throwing good money after bad on this and then every time we do three more issues pop up. oh well um hmm. yeah we I just saw something today again, a cruise ship hundred percent jabbed omicron coronavirus running rampant through it well, what do they think when they're going to uh, uh create a sp- a variant specific vaccine in the future what uh, honestly it's a guessing game at that point they're going to be guessing just like the flu vaccine well, there's going to be endless variants there's going to be and, and as long as we keep this just ridiculous idea that we can jab away coronavirus that we can artificially boost people's immune systems to get rid of it or I should be more clear that, that they don't want to get rid of it what what's the purpose we've heard this before a patient cured is no longer a customer do they know that at this point they know. I don't even have to ask the question at this point. They know that the jabs are not effective. They provide a, maybe a provide a little uh, protection for a little bit, but by and large, are not effective. We do know that it's distinctly possible that the max, uh, the mass. Uh, jab campaigns have put evolutionary pressure on the virus and made it mutate faster than maybe it would have otherwise. So we do know that 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 is a possibility. We know there'll be endless variants. There's going to be more variants, or maybe there won't be. We don't know because Omicron evaded the 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 therapeutic injection. A lot of people got it. We could be on our way to herd immunity with it. We know natural immunity is better. That's, there's plenty of studies out there showing that it's better, it's broader, and it's more long-lasting. The so-called experts continue to ignore the science of virology. The coronavirus has clearly gotten weaker. It's gotten less lethal. The original strain was on par, maybe a little bit more lethal than the flu virus, but it's clearly gotten weaker. And it clearly mutates fairly quickly, though that can be possibly attributed to just the sheer volume of therapeutic, therapeutic injections that have been given out. So it's mutating fairly quickly so it can avoid whatever antibodies the jab is creating. and you watch the research, the antibodies that jab creates uh, are very targeted, very specific. So it makes it quite easy for a virus to mutate to avoid those antibodies. So that means any jab made will be virtually useless in short order with, with the speed at which this virus seems to mutate. Science, we'll go back to science here, it it has also shown that natural immunity is the best and most long-lasting immunity. How long does it last? Studies have suggested it's at least upwards of a year, maybe longer, maybe forever. We, Like I said, we have lots of studies out there that have been done at this point. We've been living with this for two years now. We have plenty of data, we have plenty of, of points of comparison between people who have chosen to, to take the jab, and those who haven't. But those studies seem to have one thread in common, in, in and that it shows natural immunity certainly does last longer than the therapeutic injection. And I did cover uh, one a while back that was from Washington University that held promise that immunity was good for ever. It's It's a lifetime immunity, potentially. I mean that that's probably a hard thing to tell within a a six month a year time frame, but you know the indications are there that it's got promise that natural immunity is good forever. Of, of course, I mean we have to wait, we have to let time play out because it's we're we're going to learn more and more as, as time goes on. Obviously, about the immunity that uh, and it's the natural immunity and how long it actually does last, but. At any case, in any case, natural immunity has been proven to be better than the jab. And with Omicron having swept through the nation, with many nations at this point, cruise ships, airplanes, whatever, many people now have those natural antibodies. So we'll be able to observe what happens when the next seasonal wave comes around of COVID. We'll be able to see do we have enough herd immunity where it just dies out? Do we have some recurrences. How long does that natural immunity last? We have plenty of people out there now that we can that that you know have contracted the the virus and are we'll be able to observe and see what happens. So you know, it'll be something that um, uh, mark my words, this coronavirus isn't gone. It'll come up as a distraction here or there again. Uh, as long as Biden's in office, they're going to need all the distractions they can get. Okay, last topic for the day. At what point do the Democrats just pull the plug and uh, enact the 25th Amendment on Biden? His continued careless rhetoric and fake tough guy talk has already caused enough disasters for us, has already turned off enough of our allies, and he it, it, it just continues to make things worse. His food shortage comments are only going to further sh- strain supply chains that are already at their breaking points that are maybe in some cases starting to recover a bit his careless comments just saying yep there's going to be food shortages what what is that going to do it's going to cause an artificial food shortage it's going to cause a run on the grocery stores i'm sure it has in many cases already He offers this stuff up, these talking points, and doesn't follow it up with anything that assuages the fear. Fine, communicate, yeah, you know what, expect food shortages, but here's what we're doing. Or here's where it'll be limited to. No, you know, you just expect food shortages. That's it, full stop. And you can hear everybody slamming their car doors and running to the grocery store. To, to fill up their pantries now could we see some shortages because of the war in ukraine absolutely with the amount of wheat that both russia and ukraine grow and export russia's number three or four in the world i believe and in, in um, wheat production ukraine is seventh with the sanctions on Russia limiting exports and obviously you're not getting anything out of Ukraine at this point it's it's reasonable to assume that there will be some shortages but those shortages are going to be limited to wheat products but broad you know broad brush Biden here Says, expect food shortages. So what is everybody going to do? They're going to run out and empty the shelves of everything. Because people don't think about those things. They don't take it to the next level. They just hear, food shortage, I don't want to go hungry, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm emptying the shelves, I'm stocking up, and then what's going to happen in in six months when it didn't materialize, people are going to be throwing a bunch of food away because it expired. Now, just because it's it's reasonable and, yeah, we should probably expect that the price of wheat's probably going to go higher. I mean, it's already been inflated because of, of just the rampant inflation in the economy. It's going to go higher. Just because of we have a reasonable assumption does not mean that one needs to come out and incite panic like Biden did by declaring there will be food shortages. Expect it. Deal with it. Plebeians. I'll be okay. The rest of you, eh. Uh, Doing this, all it does is, like I said, sends people out panic buying. It causes artificial shortages. It causes issues in the supply chain that in some cases are just starting to recover and in other cases might just totally and completely break the supply chain. Now, my sense is that there will be enough food out there You may not always find what you want. You may not find the brand you want. You may not find uh, the particular item you want always. Uh, Or, you know, call it over the next, I don't know, six months, a year. I don't, you know, somewhere in there, I would guess. Just hedging a guess at this point. But you will always find what you need. I want to say always. That's absolutist. You will find what you need. The reason this is a big deal, the reason inciting panic when it comes to food is a big deal is no company. I talked about this before. No company has productive capacity to catch up quickly in the event of panic buy. Think toilet paper. How long did it take before any toilet paper hit the shelves again? How long did it take? Before the shelves were consistently full. That's because companies are sized to operate in, under normal market conditions. They may have some reserve capacity, but not enough when you have a mass panic buy. And that's the thing these buffoons in this administration don't think about. They don't game it out down the road if I say X why will happen and this means z in the marketplace they don't think about that they just say oh, yeah we're going to have food shortages you know everybody can become katniss here and and you're on your own sorry just ridiculous i don't i never thought i would see a more incompetent administration than the obama administration but here we are now the the panic inciting food shortage talk you know, if that wasn't enough, there's also Biden's tough talk on topics of war, let's call it i mean these these the, This continued tough talk out of Biden is going to get our citizens seriously injured or worse, our soldiers, our citizens, whoever. I would go as far to say as it may even cause a preemptive strike on one of our military interests or bases or even one of our allies. The increasing amount of walking back of statements that Biden's handlers have had to do is telling to his overall mental capacity and state. Every day, it seems like they're walking back more and more of what he says. The president of Unity has taken that message to the world stage and is just doing all he can to piss off any ally that's still talking to us. And he certainly seems to be doing all he can to go to Russia into attacking us. He needs a reason. I think uh, it seems like he's itching for a war. And he's doing all he can to get that preemptive strike or get the threat of a preemptive strike. How long does Putin hold off? How long does Putin realize that with Biden, he's dealing with someone even more unhinged than him, someone who is not grounded in reality, someone who has probably no concept of what's going on around him half the time. How long does Putin hold off? I don't know. There have been words and actions already that could have been construed as a justification for war. Putin is unhinged, no doubt, but it seems he still has a modicum of restraint left, though that could be because his operations in Ukraine have been an absolute mess. It could be because we have nukes too. I don't know, but with all the tough talk that Biden is is. Put out there at the podium. It certainly, Putin certainly has has I think been restrained and is dealing with that. Again, though, no. know, how much of that is just because he's got all he can handle with Ukraine right now, and just the the Russian army being an absolute disaster in that whole operation, that could very well play a big part in it. Biden is like that annoying little sibling that just keeps jabbing at you. Eventually, the older sibling has had enough and strikes back. Now, when it's a nuclear-armed nation with a leader hellbent on restoring the glory of the Soviet Union, you have to wonder how long it will be before they get tired of being poked and then they backhand you. If there ever was a case for invoking the 25th Amendment, Now is that time. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.